Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue and Cali Barbecue Media. In life, in the restaurant business, and in the new creator economy, we learn through lessons and stories. Today, I have a very special guest. We are on location in the Dog Patch neighborhood of San Francisco at Suvla with my man, Charles Belays. Wave. Wave. <laughs> Go, tell me what it is. Bolillas. Bolillas. I butchered it. That's and we're, a new one. I haven't gotten that one. We're not even going to, we're not even going to edit it out. Where's, man. Bolillas. 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 Yes. Okay, Bolillas. See, this Bolillas. is, this is barbecue media. So this is how the media sausage is made. I apologize. <laughs> this is a man that's given me so much grace and hospitality, letting me come here, take over his restaurant on a Wednesday afternoon. In the middle of lunch service. In the middle of lunch service. Yeah. Charles, um, I'm grateful to have you here. Thank you for inviting us and thank you for your hospitality. Sean, it is a pleasure to have you in the restaurant. Please let me know where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue? Uh, for obvious reasons, I'm very, very partial right now to the Chase Center, which okay. we are about a 10 minute walk away. Um, we uh, attend a lot of the Warriors uh, games. We've all become basketball fans over here at Suva. Uh, this particular restaurant we opened up in August, and one of the major highlights, aside from the fact that we really love the Dog Patch neighborhood, but it is a 10-minute walk to the Chase Center uh, to go to a concert, to go to a Warriors game, and really like a go-to pro move is to come into Suva. You know, game you know, tip-offs at 6:30, come in around 5, 5:30, get a great meal, glass of wine. 10 minutes, you're like in the stadium, door to door, like walking. The parking is a little bit easier out here. Um, and the and the, and the the Chase Center itself is state of the art, brand new. Um, it has amazing food and beverage opportunities. And it's just a great place to go see a show or a game or everything else. So we think that the conference model in the hospitality space is broken. Mm -hmm. And we would love to see it disrupted. We'd love to see people come and do better content, mm -hmm. educational, inspiring content sure. for the hospitality space. We're going to go to the Chase Center. Right. We're going to go talk to our team at Toast. Right. We're going to go talk to Entrepreneur. We're going to talk to some other sponsors. And we're going to rent out Chase Arena for all the people that are playing the game within the game. That's awesome. Hospitality leaders that actually want to move their business forward, leverage things like the internet and storytelling yep. um, to do what we do best. And I'm going to put you on center court. I'm going to say, Charles, I need the Suvla story. Awesome. Give me the Suvla story. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, of course. Uh, so it's the. The Suvla story can be told in two parts, and I would say, I would clarify and say it's two sort of parallel stories. There's the product and there's the format, um, because both of those things coming up on now nine years, but nine years ago and even longer, were didn't really exist back then. So on the product side, we set out to modernize or reinvent what is classically known as the Euro or Suvla Pisin. And that was born not, on, not only out of my own Greek heritage, um, being uh, Greek, my parents sort of both sides, um, born in the US. And so Suvla is a little bit of a, a representation of my, uh, at times, uh, conflicted relationship with my heritage, right? Being American born to Greek parents, but raised in sort of a generation of people where everyone really was trying to sort of lean into the sort of American notion. This has sort of evolved as of late where everyone's trying to um, kind of do the opposite yeah. and like learn six languages and do all those things. So um, on the product side, it really came out of uh, about now 13 years ago, 
um, a backyard barbecue that I had uh, at a place I was living in San Francisco with my roommate. We had a backyard, which is rare in the city. Uh, we roasted a whole lamb and we had a, we just threw like a big barbecue party, you know. Um, roasting a whole lamb is a very traditional uh, practice in the in the Greek faith and the Greek uh, culture. It's usually done every Easter to sort of celebrate the end of the, the fast and all that fun stuff. So that in and of itself is just like a, a ritual and a tradition that I grew up with and kind of wanted to reinvigorate in my own life. Um, and so we had this great party. Uh, we had a bunch of people over and we did the whole lamb thing. And of course, there's a very primal uh, experience to being next to a whole animal that's being roasted over open fire. So obviously everyone was really, really attracted to that. We had this great party and the following day I was cleaning up and we had a bunch of leftover picked lamb meat. Someone had brought a beautiful heirloom salad. Someone had brought pita bread. Uh, it was a kind of a potluck thing. And I made myself this leftover sandwich with whole roasted, uh, you know, beautiful lamb, fresh uh, organic produce, warm fluffy pita, feta cheese, and sort of the light bulb one. And it's like, wow. I was like, no one, this is, a, this is at, a, at a time, again, 13, 13 years ago, when every other sort of cultural sort of street or comfort food was getting reinvented, was getting the, the, the chef treatment. Think about, again, we're going back now, but like, think about what the what the hamburger, the cheeseburger was to what it sort of became, yes. right? Think about what the taco was and then what it sort of became. All of those really classic staple foods and the gyro really hadn't been disrupted um, since it came to the U.S. in the 70s. And it was always perceived as this sort of mystery cone meat, kind of this drunk late night food. You know, this highly processed product with this really, you know, out of season mealy tomatoes and like you got out of a questionable cart or store or whatever it was. And so no one had really taken this sort of more kind of California approach of like, okay, let's let's rethink what's going into this because the architecture of that sandwich is amazing, right? Warm, fluffy pita, cool yogurt, you know, hot meat, fresh veggies, you know, Greek cheese. So that sort of started the wheels on the product side. And then on the format side, what was really interesting is most of my career um, has been in fine dining. Whether that's in the kitchens, in the dining rooms, in the back offices. I had the great privilege to work for chefs like Thomas Keller and Michael Mina um, in, in various uh, of their, uh, you know, a lot of their restaurants. And so I had most of my sort of training came from that side. Is, you know, a culinary degree, have a, a hospitality degree, but, you know, was always sort of operating in restaurants at that sort of Michelin star yep. full service caliber. And what was really interesting, sort of by the end of my journey, um, I started to get more exposed into the business side of things, start to write, you know, pro formas and budgets and do P&L reviews. And I got more exposed to the business model of fine dining restaurants. And the business model of fine dining restaurants is I will say broke it. <laughs> Thank you. You know, yeah. you, you know, despite the fact that, you know, you're charging hundreds of dollars for these tasting menus and these incredible experiences, it costs a tremendous amount of money to build these restaurants, to staff these restaurants, to create uh, everything that the guest experiences. And so it started with the sandwich, it started with the product. And then when the wheels were turning, it was a little bit of like, okay, how can I leverage my fine dining background and and bring it together with this product 
and do it in a way um, that is economically viable. San Francisco is, I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point, uh, one of the most expensive cities in America, if not the most expensive city in America, also one of the most expensive and one of the most challenging cities um, to operate any small business, let alone a restaurant. And so going into this, obviously, um, as, a, as, a, as a first-time operator, entrepreneur, you know, you obviously have to balance the product, the experience yes. with, you know, the more rational sort of fundamentals, like, is this a viable business model? Um, and so that's kind of how things started. Um, and so when you look around our restaurants, um, even though you are ordering from a counter, um, the restaurants themselves look, act, and feel like full-service restaurants. So here we are drinking wine out of a stem wine glass, right? Uh, food is, is delivered to your table. Your table is bust. You're not, you know, carting around your trays looking for the trash can. Um, we spend a tremendous amount of uh, time and energy in the design and ambiance and experience of the restaurants. We want them, and they, then they are uh, verified, you know, nice enough to bring a date. Um, so over the years, we've we've actually catered uh, several weddings because people either went on their first date at Suvla, um, met in line at Suvla. We catered a wedding where the where the couple met met in line. We've actually also had it was very sweet um, during during the the dark days of COVID when the restaurant was closed. We actually had our very first uh, proposal at Suvla. Oh, wow. um, so 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 the brand itself has become a part of the cultural fabric of the city of San Francisco in a way that I had never imagined. And so what's really, really great, um, you know, we're coming up on nine years next month and we continue to iterate and to refine who we are, what we do and how we do it. And it's and, and the brand has evolved over the years because really what it comes down to is we want to be many things to we want to be able to deliver our product um, in the most efficient way, in the most consistent way possible. We're, we're incredibly fortunate to have um, a very, very loyal following, and we want to continue um, to, to support them. And that, and that comes down to iterating on things like our tech stack. That comes down to being incredibly thoughtful and borderline sort of surgical as far as like where we open the next Suvla. Um, you know, obviously delivering uh, extraordinary service, whether that's, you know, in the restaurant or online or, or in any of those ways. Um, and so that really is is kind of the probably the shortest uh, <laughs> version of the Suvla story that I've that I've told today. Well, I, I, I appreciate it for giving the context. And for me, I never mm -hmm. met my father. I was raised by my Bulgarian grandfather. He was his girlfriend was Japanese. Wow. So my grandmother was Japanese. My grandfather was Bulgarian. So yeah. I ate Bulgarian food and Japanese food wow. all the time. But I remember that at certain points growing up in my childhood, I was almost embarrassed of the fact when I would have friends over that we were eating Bulgarian food or having Japanese food. And now, as I have kids, I actually married a Bulgarian woman. So my, my children are more Bulgarian than I am. Yeah. But now... I'm at a point where we're starting to explore the Bulgarian cuisine and celebrating it. For you, when you look back at your heritage, yes. what was the change? Like, where where was the change of looking at something and then wanting to embrace something that actually became the core of your business? The identity part. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting because I went through probably a very, very similar journey to you in that... Um, 
I was raised by Greek parents. My mother came to the U.S. Um, when she was in high school. My father was born in the U.S. Um, but they, but there was very much, I think, at the time, the immigrant mentality around uh, raising a family and, and wanting the children to be sort of quote unquote normal American yeah. kids. And so we grew up with um, with a lot of the the uh, the cultural traditions um, of of Greece. Uh, we grew up in the in the Orthodox Church. So a lot, and, and, and certainly in Greece, probably similar to, to, to Bulgaria, a lot of that stuff is actually pretty, pretty interwoven. Um, and so, and like most of, most of those cultures, um, food becomes a very, very central part of yes. everything. Um, so my family upbringing bringing was interesting because it was very, very food-centric. Um, but also, like, I didn't grow up speaking the language. Here I am at age 40, back in Greek school. You know, Are you? Um, I am. Yeah. Um, you know, my rhythm and my pronunciation of the language is actually pretty excellent. Bad, because I've been bad as, as Well, that's the thing. I mean, back someone, then, if someone that's Bulgarian, did, uh, back no then, one's butchered your name as bad as me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. Uh, it happens. Trust me, I have mistakes. I'm, I'm, You're in the restaurant business. <laughs> that's right. It's all about the uh, recovery, right? Correct. Huge news, Toast, our primary technology partner at our barbecue restaurants in San Diego and the primary technology partner of so many of the guests that we have on this show have announced they are expanding their business offerings with Google. So now if you search on Google Maps and you sign up for Toast Tables or Toast Waitlist, you will have the opportunity to improve the digital hospitality experience of the guest, allow them to book through the maps into the Toast reservation system. One of the biggest difficulties that restaurant guests have is when they search for your restaurant and they want a table, they do not have an easy solution to book a table or to get on a wait list. Toast has just announced that they are expanding their offerings with Google and they now have introduced Toast tables and toast reservations. This is huge news for the restaurant industry, huge news for guests and huge news for you, the restaurant owner. Check out Toast Tables today and find out the new integrated solution that they have. This is something that we've wanted for a long time. How do you integrate reservations, wait lists into your point of sale? Toast has done it. Check it out. No, so 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 it was interesting because it was this very it was this hybrid situation where where you know obviously all of the holidays and the feast days were very very sort of you know uh, centered around Greek food. Um, both of my grandparents on both sides, uh, both my grandfather's I should say, on, on both sides were extraordinary cooks. Uh, one of them did it professionally, had restaurants, and, and ended up teaching um, later in life. And the other one was just one of those sort of savant sort of type cooks, yeah. a guy that came in from Greece, never had Chinese food in his life got to take out once and then the next day is and they're figuring oh, wow. out how to make, you know, like, yeah. and nailing it. So, so I think what was interesting, I went on this very, uh, very sort of roundabout journey um, that sort of ended up sort of bringing me back to my Greek roots. And, and really one of the big things around that we really try to emphasize at Subla, Subla is obviously very Greek, as you can sort of see by the, yeah. by the surroundings. Um, we have the country's uh, only all Greek beverage list down to the sparkling water. Wow, really? um, and we have our own line of uh, Greek wines. Amazing. We work with uh, we work with four different producers in Greece to produce. Sorry, three different producers in Greece to produce four different wines under the Suvla label. Um, but I wanted Suvla to be really approachable. At the end of the day, yeah. there in the in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's not the same sort of level of a of a Greek population that you might see in a city like Boston or Chicago or New York. 
if you look around this restaurant, I guarantee you I'm the only Greek person in here. <laughs> Probably. Um, and so I, and so I, but, but so often is the case with restaurants that feature cuisines of other countries where they try to, they, they, they sort of, and maybe as they should over index on being very, very traditional. Um, and so you get into a situation where people become a little nervous around how to pronounce something. Yes. My name. <laughs> uh, what these dishes mean, what these words mean, like, what is this? You know? And so I wanted Suvla to be really, really approachable. And so people felt comfortable coming into the restaurant, felt comfortable ordering, felt comfortable with, with all those things. So the menu itself is very simple, very streamlined, um, and brings together, um, you know, the, the sort of the California sort of ethos in terms of the quality of the product, you know, organic produce, naturally raised meats, things along those lines, and, and then blending in a lot of the Greek tradition and our Greek inspiration. So this restaurant is, is our first that actually has uh, both the classic Suva menu and a little bit more of a traditional sort of Greek uh, meze menu. Um, so you can actually kind of do a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, certainly in the early days, people saw the Suva menu and they're like, well, this isn't Greek. And it's like, well, I mean, some of the things definitely are and some of the things we've taken a lot of inspiration with, you know. And so um, and that was really, really um, important to me to, to, to sort of redefine the product and then also redefine the format. So so Suvla is, if not the first, certainly, you know, and I guess maybe that could be debatable, but I position is that we have sort of created the fast find format, this sort of elevated uh, version of, of the fast casual space um, that not only allows people to, you know, enjoy uh, the cuisine and the wine, you know, in the restaurant, but also take it to go, have it delivered, order online, um, but then also not feel again, like, like, you know, that you are in a restaurant, like this is a restaurant, right? Yeah. It's like, I guarantee you, like you would take your wife here, like for dinner. You know, Absolutely. people people see, you know, the counter service. Are you in San Diego? We could use we could use <laughs> one in our neighborhood. People see the people see the counter, and they just they kind of sometimes convert. It's like, oh, this is just like a quick service or fast casual restaurant. But then when you start to see the rest of it, certainly when you come into this same restaurant at night, the lights are down. There's candles on the table. Everyone's drinking wine. You know, and so my earlier point, it looks and acts and feels like a full service restaurant. Um, and so that's really what allows us to sort of stand out. Um, and I, and also I feel very strongly back then when we opened 2014, just as much as, you know, today, this is very much how people want to eat. You know, you want to have, you want to have the freedom and flexibility to come in when you, whenever you want to come in and not have to worry about making a reservation, you know, not have to worry about putting on a, you know, jacket or whatever, you know, um, but then also like. You know what? To your earlier conversation, you want like we're going to just take this to go. Yeah, great, no problem. You know, um, and or it's like, oh, we got we got we got to go to the, the Warriors game. Yeah, up and out. There's you don't have to wait for the check. Yes. Any of that stuff. And or again, a first date. You know, a, like a meet up with a friend or whatever. You know, it's a it's a very approachable price point, and you can make it a quick snack, a glass of wine, or like a full on you know team dinner. You know, and everything yeah. in between. Um, and interestingly enough, our our uh, sales actually skew more towards dinner than they than they than they do lunch. Interesting. Um, and it was also a very very important thing for me, more on a personal sort of selfish level. I, being in the in the industry for as long as I have, often find myself eating at odd hours. So like lunchtime is 
oftentimes like 3 p.m. Yes. Try going out to a restaurant at 3 p.m. Most yes. places do, you know, 11 to 2 Correct. and then 5 to 10. Correct. Or you'll get the worst service. Or you or you get the worst <laughs> service. Where, where, you know, all, all the souplos are open um, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Wow. Um, and open, open and serving. So. so as somebody that went to culinary school and hospitality school at Cornell, you were trained by Thomas Keller, by Michael Mina. You're essentially a savant in the hospitality space. But still, yet... But still, this is a show for entrepreneur. Sure. You still had to get to the point where you have to bet on yourself. 100%. Bring me back to the business plan. Yes. Did you shoot too small or did you shoot too big? Looking back at what you've created now. Yeah. And that first, once you once you were ready to show that to the initial investors. Sure. Did you aim too high or did you aim too low? I, the, the short answer is I aim too low. Um, and I guess it's, it's, it's an important caveat uh, for our conversation to just highlight the fact that I actually am the child of two entrepreneurs. Um, so neither of them in the, in the hospitality space. Um, but you know, both of my parents ran their businesses out of the house that I grew up in. Um, and so I, from birth was had front row seats to what that struggle is like to what, what level of hustle is needed, the sacrifice that is needed and all of those things. So you could probably say that there is something uh, that, that the sort of the entrepreneurialism sort of runs in my blood. And it was very, very interesting. It was a very, very sort of poignant sort of moment, um, you know, in a, in a very similar sort of setting, two different points of time in, in one and in, uh, having the conversation with my parents saying that, hey, I wanted to drop out of regular sort of four year university and go to culinary school. It's kind of a shock to them at the, the time. Um, and then fast forward years later, hey, I'm like, I, I'm going to resign my my nice manager job working for the Mina Group and go start my own thing. Um, and it was it was equal in the in the reception was equal parts shock and support. And I remember very very vividly having a conversation with my father about this when I was when I told him about the idea for Suvla and what I wanted to do. And he's like, why would you leave this job? You make a nice salary yeah. you have healthcare, all these benefits. And I was like, well, I was like, 20 years ago, you did the exact same thing. <laughs> you left your teaching job that yeah. you hated, uh, that drove you nuts, that you made you know terrible money in and you went and started your own company and look at where you are today. It's like, I like, I want to do that. It just took me, you know, 10 plus years to figure out what the thing was. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, to your, to your real question. Yeah, we, it, it took me, um, it took uh, a full two years just to raise the money. It took another two years prior to that to write the business, to write and rewrite and rewrite the business plan. Um, and so it was a big, big, uh, it was a big struggle. How big was the business plan for? Was it for one restaurant or for multiple? Was it for a brand? It was for, it was for one restaurant, but the intent was to scale it. Um, but the, but the, but the fundraise and the investment was in that one restaurant, in that one physical space. Yep. Um, and that was kind of it. Um, so yeah. And I, you know, at some point, you know, when you're in town, I'll take you to the, to the original Suvla. We wouldn't be able to film in it because it's, because <laughs> it's too small. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a thousand square feet on the ground. That's amazing. Um, and you know, we, you know, the way that it pro forma, I, it was a very, very conservative pro forma. It was a very, very small and very scrappy raise. 
Um, and that business has, you know, returned capital to the to the original investor group at the 7x return right now we're kind of looking at. Um, and does, you know, about probably, yeah, about six times the, like, the revenue that we thought it was going to do. So it was a little bit of a... And it's still the little restaurant that could, yes. you know, even 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 all, all these years later. So and and it's always fun to go back and 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 be in that restaurant because it's it's the place that we made all of our mistakes. Yeah. And quite frankly, we still make mistakes, you know. But we continue to grow and evolve and and and, and learn from them. And it is really really interesting to see, you know, what one small restaurant uh, is capable of. Um, and uh, there, you know, my wife and I don't have kids. Uh, these restaurants are effectively my yeah. my my kids. They are. Um, they take about nine months to, to sort of like, sometimes we have one right now that's coming up on two years. So it's a little, you know, it's a longer it's a long process, um, yes. but they're, they can, they can be, um, they can be very traumatic, very, very, very problematic, very expensive. Yes. Um, and they do like need to learn how to walk and then how to run and all these other things. Um, but, you know, looking back, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing um, what, what these restaurants have, have been able to do and also just how much value and just how much, um, a part of people's lives they've become. Can you talk about brand? I know brand is important to you. It's important to me. We talk about it on the show all the time. You and I shared a conversation in Boston at the Toast Customer Advisory Board about Delta. Yes. How much you respected Delta. Can you talk about the opportunity that you have? And it's so important for restaurant owners to think differently. I think that's why we get along. That's why sure. I love the people that watch this show and listen to this show um, because we're all trying to be better and leverage this amazing thing called the internet to build more profitable businesses and do cooler stuff to right. impact more communities and, you know, to really have fun doing what we do. This is a hard business to be in, but yes. there are people out there like yourself that are doing incredible things. Tell me about the Delta story. The Delta story was a, was a pretty remarkable one. Um, full disclosure. I'm a, I'm a huge Delta fan personally have been for probably the last five, six years. Um, you know, I've made it a, a, a priority of mine to, to sort of achieve kind of all of the, the fun unlocks that come with the Delta Sky Miles program. So I get to enjoy <laughs> uh, all of the uh, all of the perks of being a, a, a Diamond Medallion sort of member. Um, and we have spent a lot of time um, on, on Delta planes, especially, you know, years back when we were kind of back and forth between San Francisco and New York for my wife's restaurant. Um, and there are and there are very very few brands. You know, certainly Suvla is a very very brand centric restaurant. Yeah. And it was important to me in the early days um, in creating uh, the Suvla brand that was about the brand and not about the individual. I had spent my career working for for chefs that named their brands after themselves. Um, <laughs> it's a very sort of traditional yes. thing to do uh, in the sort of the male dominated sort of chef world. You name the restaurant after yourself and all the other things. And and in thinking about Suvla, you know, I wanted Suvla to be about Suvla. I wanted it to be about the brand. I didn't yeah. want it to be about me. I didn't want it to be about Tony, who's our chef and, and, and my partner in the business. I didn't want to create this sort of false expectation that like we're always in the restaurant that I'm going to be pouring you wine or Tony's going to be making you your sandwich. Yes. Um, Tony is actually in the kitchen here today. Um, so just by, by, by coincidence, by coincidence, we have four of the restaurants that are, that are, that are running that he's yes. not in right now. So, um, and so with that, I've been incredibly uh, protective about the brand. There's no one else from the outside that owns any part of the IP or any of that, or any of the part that was really important to me to keep that, 
um, separate from from the restaurants. Um, and again, we're we're incredibly thoughtful about who we align ourselves with, who we partner with. So to answer your question about the Delta story, um, Delta came to us, right? um, which was quite remarkable. And it was really... Was it an email? Was it a DM? It was an email. Like so many things. Did they just it, show up it, at your door? Two, two, of, two, two of the... No, it's not like... What should I look, what should I look for? Him, no. <laughs> Uh, two of the more like remarkable Sulu stories was 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 the Delta opportunity and the time that that we fed uh, Michelle Obama and and both of those times it came in through a very very sort of like vague generic email into like the hello at Sulu.com yes. email address um, which I still I still monitor yeah um, um, and so and because you never know when that's, that's the brand come in. you don't know <laughs> if, if there's a reason to check your email there you go there's the story you need exactly delta or michelle obama might, might be yes. on the other one other right end. you never know <laughs> you never know um and so it was interesting delta was um this was in the in the uh summer of 2021 um so we're still kind of mid, mid pandemic at that time um delta had throughout covid uh suspended all of its hot food programs the obvious reasons um and we're looking to reboot their hot food programs and they were looking for a restaurant partner um, out of San Francisco. And so that team started to kind of put out feelers to people that they knew in the area that either lived or worked or just, you know, they have obviously a very, very it's the largest airline in the world. They have a, a, quite a, a presence uh, and obviously a, a very, very big team. Um, and the way that it was told to me, Suvla kind of kept on coming back. It was like when they, when they, when they sort of cast the net out. Oh, wow. Multiple pings came back. It's like you stuck to see you stuck to see. Now, mind you, obviously, we're not uh, as much as I love Delta and I fly on planes. We have, we don't have an airline back. You know, <laughs> this is not, it's a different hospitality. Basically, this we is are not, all the same, but it's a lot different. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Just because we cook food doesn't yeah. mean that we know how to put it onto an airplane. Um, <laughs> and we're also like we're in the we're in the restaurant business. We're not food manufacturers. Yes, you know, which is what we ultimately became. And so either way, it was, they reached out and they said, hey, listen, we're, you know, we'd like to talk to you. We are, we are relaunching our hot food program in the fall. Um, we are interested in you being our West, one of our West Coast um, launch partners um, for this relaunch. And so, and so it was, it ended up being um, ourselves out of San Francisco, John and Vinny out of LA, amazing restaurant group. And then Danny Meyer's views were events. Oh, wow. Um, out, of, out of New York. That was sort of like the big three for good company. Well, amazing, amazing company to be in. No pressure. Danny's, Danny's either. Yeah. <laughs> Great company to be in, but no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> uh, Danny's a friend and, and has dined at Super many times and is, is, a, is just a, a great uh, sort of mentor and, and, awesome. and, and advisor and uh, supporter. So we're, we're, we're all big uh, USHC fans over here as well. Um, and so it was really interesting because now we had this kind of, we had this opportunity, you know, sales were still kind of, you know, depressed and we're still, you know, operating under these kind of funny conditions. We were actively trying to sort of diversify our, our, our portfolio, um, and figure out, you know, how we could leverage our team and leverage our, our, um, production facility to do other things. And so, um, we tasked ourselves with like figuring out how to put seed in the air. Um, and not only in the air, but breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Ooh, you know. Um, so, uh, so multiple offerings, multiple meal periods. How many meals per day? Um, we were, I think, at peak, we were probably running about fifteen thousand meals a month. So, you know, um, you know, uh, probably like five, six hundred a day. Um, and also, mind you, unlike restaurants, uh, 
you know, planes run all the time. <laughs> They're know? always running. They're always running. Uh, yeah. So the the days that we normally get to enjoy holiday closures, things yes. like that, um, we have an obligation to be producing meals. Correct. So that was another Actually, sort of peak peak travel times, probably. Exactly. Yeah. So we normally like to close the restaurants for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and usually yeah. a day uh, on, on on either side, and we're in there, you know, doing all that stuff. So. Um, it was it was it was a really it was a really amazing challenge. It was the first time in history that Greek cuisine had been featured on a major domestic uh, carrier ever, um, and it also gave us a lot of uh, opportunity to uh, think a little bit outside of the souvla box in terms of our our core classic menu and come up with other uh, Greek or Greek inspired dishes. Obviously, you know our restaurants don't serve breakfast. We had to come up with we had to develop a, a breakfast menu. Yeah. I think one of the things that was that was probably the most impressive, and I, and I was very very fortunate to sit up front in those planes for several times for R and D purposes. Um, but we were flying our frozen Greek yogurt, um, and so when you think about when you think about enjoying a frozen yogurt at thirty five thousand feet, and also what it took to get it there, and on top of it, the fact that it actually was really really good, like it actually was still like perfectly tempered. Like it wasn't this like melted bottle or any any of those things. Um, that was really really remarkable. Um, and so yeah, I think and it, it, it really comes down to you know uh, aligning ourselves with 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 the right brands. It's not only you know it's not only about you know shared values, um, but also about again how how the brand is perceived. You know, do we want to be associated with them or not? And so and so you know. Just as much as Delta is the official airline of Suvla, Suvla, um, you know, has has you know uh, had had the great privilege of, of being a, a partner to, to Delta, and the the even sort of better the sort of like the proverbial cherry on the on the Sunday or the frozen Greek yogurt. Uh, my wife is in the wine business, yeah, um, and and she launched a uh, women back women made uh, sparkling wine brand called Infem uh, today. Unfem is uh, the global partner to Delta. Wow. Uh, the official sparkling wine on every single Delta plane in the world. Wow. And in every single Sky Club. That's amazing. So you want to talk about a story and just this sort of meteoric rise from, because the company is only two years old. Right. Um, so to go from, you know, a, a relatively small annual production to a very, very meaningful annual production is is quite, quite remarkable. What's, so, a, what's the social handle for your wife's company? Uh, Unfem Wines. Unfem Wines. We'll put a link in a link in the show notes. That's absolutely yeah. what an incredible story. Yeah, really, that is, remarkable. That is very cool. So on the show, obviously, this to- Toast is our title sponsor. You and I met at Toast headquarters in Boston. Yes, you are a technology first restaurant. Tell me, why did you switch from Square to Toast? Great question. So, um, so yes, we are a technology first restaurant. We have been. You know, since since our inception uh, nine years ago, I've made it a priority to build the organization on the latest generation sort of tech stack. Um, you know, back in the restaurants are sort of famously pretty analog, and so and even even the restaurants that I worked in previous were still on legacy systems and still emailing Excel spreadsheets around and all of those things. And I was like, there has to be a better way. 2014, like let's figure out the next sort of generation, um, and so. Square was a was a very early partner of ours. Their headquarters was literally down the street. We fed more Square employees than probably Square fed. Um, we had a level of access uh, because we were so early on um, in that company's uh, lifespan, and obviously with with ours as well. 
you know, I was a sort of unofficial spokesperson for the for the brand. We probably beta tested and broke probably every piece of square hardware <laughs> and software that 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 existed, um, and also just enjoyed a level of access into that company that most restaurants didn't have the the privilege because, again, of the of the, of the proximity, um, and also just my nature in terms of like really really pushing the envelope as far as you know what we needed yes. as a sort of a, a, a next generation sort of like future leading restaurant. So we had a great partnership for them with them for, um, you know, some seven years or so. Um, and I think really what, what it came down to is, um, is again, further integration um, and just getting all of these systems to, to talk to each other. We also were hearing a lot of feedback from, from our guests in terms of functionality that they wanted. Uh, in terms of in terms of you know things you know, around scheduled orders and all all of those type of that that kind of flexibility, um, and then you sort of layer in, in, into that just the overall uh, reliability that we need. You know these are these are high volume restaurants. Um, we have a tendency, as I made mention, to break all kinds of things, yes. uh, and the volume is one of those things that just has a tendency to break stuff, and so it's it gets harder. When you're operating restaurants that that are a little bit of an outlier in the in in as a as a um, as a client, where it's like we're giving this feedback, where it's like this is not working, this is melting down, and it's like well we're not hearing this from anyone else. It's like well you we probably don't have anyone else that's, that's doing, speaking up. It's either a speaking up, yep. or you might not have or anyone else volume. that's doing the volume that Correct. we're that we're doing. An average Suvlo service between seven hundred and a thousand people a day. It's amazing, right? So that's Correct. that's that's a lot of throughput. Yes, you know, and so um, and so when I when I when I started my conversations with with Toast, I first I started with Matt Kaplan at the at the at the very sort of top, and was pretty transparent in terms of like what what we needed and what we weren't really getting. Um, and so, and all of those uh, assurances. And I think it's also one of the things too, I was thinking about this earlier before you came, um, you know, around, you have to make decisions around, do you want to work with generalists or do you want to work with specialists? You know, and there are, and there are pros and cons to both of those things. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the conference that you're, that you're speaking at later, that's an example of a, of a, of a brand that is a generalist, yeah, and it's not to say that it's a that it's a that it's a knock on on, on them. It's just there is something there's a, a, a huge pro in that you can kind of have everything live under under one yeah. roof. Um, but I sort of I kind of associate generalists as sort of I'm a big car guy, so I I, I, I just say generalist a little bit like it's the all season tire. You know, <laughs> you do a lot of things, yeah. right? You can drive in the snow and the rain, do any of whatever. Really, really well. You don't want them in the rain. You no. don't. If you're driving fast on racetrack. You want a you want a summer performance tire. Yeah. You know, you're going up to you're going up in the snow. You want you want a studded winter tire. You know, um, and so we've we've really reinvented the entire uh, uh, Suvla tech stack. Um, you know, and that's again, it's it's evolved over the years, but really focusing on working with sort of best in category specialists. And so the, the drawback to that is you got to get them to talk to each other. Yes. You know, um, and so we've been really happy with Toast um, with a lot of their functionality because we're able to we're able to plug in some of these external partners and have everything flowing on the same set of rails. Yeah, it's for me, it's just fascinating to see where we are in 2023, knowing how fast it's going to change just by 2024, 2025. Right. Like, what is Suvla going to look like and what's the customer going to want? You know, so much of the conversations that we have with all of our technology partners is we understand that we might, you might perceive us to be the client, right? But ultimately, the customer is the client. 
So I really don't care what it is as long as it makes it easier for every guest in here to get what they want. And like you said earlier, every guest in here might want something different. Totally. That's why you had delivery drivers. That's why you had people that were ordering in line waiting when I got here. Yes. That's why you had people on a business lunch. You had other people that were just here to enjoy like a glass of wine. We don't know, but we need the technology that's going to provide what we call digital hospitality. 100%. And I think, and I think the, I think the challenge, and it's continuing to evolve, but because I, because th I think the customer is continuing to get more and more savvy and more and more understanding. To your point about about the customer being the client, you know, when you're when you're when you're working with, you know, uh, technology partners, especially when you're working with a toast, when you're working with a DoorDash, when you're those things. At the end of the day, it's about the guests, right? And it's about getting them whatever that they, yep. that they want and having that functionality. And the guest doesn't oftentimes understand or, quite frankly, care, nor should they, that like the POS is not working right now, or the or the or the delivery driver got lost in the way to their you know house or whatever it is. They just immediately like they go to the restaurant, you know. Hey, Suvla, why you know what what happened? Like, what is this thing? And it's like, and obviously from our end, we want to. We obviously want to be empathetic. Uh, empathetic. We obviously want to be able to sort of recover the situation. We can't necessarily just say, "Oh, it's so and so's fault," yep. you know, um, that this thing broke or whatever it is. We have to figure out a way to fix it and, and, and make it right, because ultimately, like that's what the guest expects and, 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 and demands, and they don't necessarily want to hear that it's, you know, someone else's fault. So, can you talk to the restaurant owner that's listening to this show or watching this? Why is it important to speak up? on behalf of problems that happen. Because I think when I talk to restaurant owners, some of the biggest complaints that I hear is that nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them is that you need to find partners that listen to you the same way you listen to your guests. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think, I think a couple things. Uh, number one, obviously, yes, speak up. Uh, number two, um, just know that it's, that it, that all of this stuff takes time, yes. right? We, we as, as restaurateurs and chefs and, and operators, um, we have the ability to like pivot on a moment's notice and fix something like immediately. Correct. You know, this wine is too warm. Let me get you another bottle of wine. Correct. Right? Good point. Uh, when you're working with, with uh, technology companies uh, or any external partner that's yeah. not in the restaurant space, they don't generally work that well, right? And in, and in general, the larger the company that you that you are working with, the longer things take to get correct. The more layers of you know whether it's you know bureaucracy or or, or management or whatever you know needs to happen uh, to get the, the change. It just it takes time. You know I've gotten a little bit better I've, uh, with with the phrase, but for the longest time, it's certainly in, in like periods of of. of you know, uh, a challenge that we've had with our tech partners with this notion of like, oh, it's on our roadmap. It's just like, I, like, I don't think you're that, you know, it's, it's, it's on the road. No, it's a very, very common phrase in the, in the, phrase. in the, in the, in the tech world. Restaurants don't have roadmaps. <laughs> or today. Yeah. Have a today map. So like, now, I don't have a roadmap. Right, right. today. roadmap is about right, right now. map. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, having the, having the, 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 the sort of patience to kind of work through with that, I think, I think is, um, just at least having that understanding. Yeah. Like, not everything is going to happen immediately, unfortunately. That, that's a hard thing to, I think, obviously, whenever you have the opportunity to work with, uh, external partners that have an understanding and or I think honestly more more importantly experience in the restaurant industry 
um, that's helpful because there's a little bit more of an understanding, a little more of an empathy around what's what, what's gone on. We've we've brought in, we've had uh, employees, uh, we've had like heads of product and people like that. We've brought them in and had them made them work in our restaurants. This is in the early days uh, where things were still sort of developing, but like to get them to understand either the functionality that we're missing or or the or the the problem that we were having with the hardware or the software and the impact that it has not only on the guest, right? But the impact that it has on the individual providing the service. Yes. Right? When you're when you're when you're working behind, you know, the point of sale and all of a sudden the point of sale freezes or crashes or whatever, and you've got a line of people out the door. Yeah. How do you handle that situation? What do you right. do? Yeah. You know, and it and and it's easier for the you know, when you're dealing with a with a product manager or whatever in an office, they don't they don't have that anxiety. They've never been sitting really? in right exactly. sitting in front. So yeah. it was amazing to like bring in these heads of product and make them do that and then watching their face yeah. when it happens and be like, Oh, so now you understand. You know, when the when the when the kitchen printer malfunctions and doesn't send the signal to the point of sale that yeah. the kitchen printer's not working, and all of a sudden you're looking around the dining room and there's a sea of people holding numbers looking really, really upset. And all of a sudden, you look back in the kitchen, and there's no tickets in the on the on the kitchen rail. Like, how do you deal with that? Yes. You know, so that's really, really, um, so that's important. I, you know, uh, certainly, you know, one of many reasons why I love toast. Not that we're making this. I know that they're a sponsor, but this is the truth. They're a sponsor for a reason. I mean, I'm sure. not, I don't hide the fact that no, toast. You're wearing I, a toast hat. This I, a, made a one, a one toast of one. Hat. I made my own toast hat. No, I love. I listen. I I, I love the fact that that the toast was started by people that came from restaurants. Yes. You know. That's and so and so that owned and operated and just and had experience in restaurants because having that level of understanding, being able to speak the language, yeah, and then also just like understanding it from the operator's point of view is unlike most most tech companies. It for me is very very important. Yeah, um, I think the other thing, the other, like the last thing too, and you know this may this may sort of be seen. As, maybe this is a, a Sugla um, anomaly, and I don't really want to like set a precedent, but like we have uh, we have standing weekly calls with a lot of our tech partners. Um, you've earned those calls. We've earned we've we've earned those calls. It was when we when we, when we switched over. It was it was on my list of demands but from you, from, you, from from Toast. That, you know? I mean, that's one of the most important lessons that I think. That's why we do this show. Right. It's so important for restaurant owners to know that you're not alone. We feel like we're alone. We feel like we have to fight the fights. But what you've done is you've created a culture with your partners to know you're not just a squeaky wheel. Right. You're willing to work. You're willing to test. You're willing to meet with. You go above and beyond for them to help them make better products, not just for Suvla, right? for literally any other restaurant that they roll out those products to. Right. Yeah. And that's that's how we always position the, the, the brand. And it's always done in the spirit of, of self-improvement, right? Yes. That's, we want to make, we obviously want to make Suvla better, but we also want to make whatever the product of, of our partner better. Yeah. We, 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 right. we want the, we want the, the functionality, the, the reliability, the, all of those things. Um, so yeah, so that's why we, you know, and we've gotten... We've gotten a little bit more selective over the years, but in the early days, we would beta test an awful lot of stuff. We have a, we have a, we're very fortunate to be in San Francisco and in sort of the, the broader Bay Area, where so many of these companies are actually headquartered. Um, so we get a level of of, of exposure um, to to new technology and you know just overall deal flow that maybe other other brands might not operating yeah. in, in other parts of the. Uh, the country so um, and so often is the case that that things that that sort of start here in the Bay Area gradually make their way yes. you know just even even down to on our end from a, from, a, from an innovation standpoint you know we're, we're now seeing the Suvla of 
you know, so many other types of uh, foods, um, which to me is is just amazing to awesome. to see because because I've been very very vocal about about the the format and and to my earlier point about it, this is how people want to dine and so I I don't see it as a as a as a threat I see it as actually as you know a big thing and and if anything it's like from our end we have to continue to sort of evolve and iterate if we're going to continue to if if we've created the category and lead the category we have to keep on leading the category for years to come love it so every single week on Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time on the social audio app Clubhouse, we have an incredible community of digital hospitality leaders, restaurant owners, marketers, sales professionals that join us. It's a free call. It's a free app. Join the app. Um, we also want to do a shout out. Right now, I'm actually looking for a restaurant influencer. So if you know somebody on YouTube, a restaurant owner that's doing something unique, they're adding some something that's different for the restaurant industry. They're building a community on there. Please let me know. You can email me, Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at tallybbq.media. You can find me on social platforms at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. Charles, what's the best way for people to uh, come and enjoy Subla or get in touch with you? Best way is um, definitely go to our website, subla.com. I think as I disclosed earlier, all the hello emails, you know, uh, <laughs> I always see. Um, and all of our social handles are just at Suvla. Okay. Uh, S-O-U-V-L-A. So any, Instagram, Twitter. Any parting words of wisdom for the, the restaurant industry, a restaurant owner that's that's listening to this show? Um, I do have I do have parting words of wisdom, and it's it's and I think it really dovetails nicely into the fact that we're doing this for Entrepreneur Magazine. Um, and I uh, full disclosure, this I I don't know where I read this, and I cannot take credit for this for this uh, phrase, but it's something that I heard many years ago, um, and has resonated with me, um, and is certainly now sort of resonating a little bit more with me as I'm nine years into into my journey here with 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 Suvla, um, and I'll, and as I made mentioned earlier, just growing up um, in a household of entrepreneurs and sort of like watching both of my parents' businesses, you know grow and flourish and struggle and, and everything else. Um, but um, entrepreneurialism is uh, spending a few years of your life living like most people won't. So you can spend the rest of your life living like most people can't. Wow. It's a really, really powerful phrase. And, and, and it's something where it's like, and listen, in the early days of Souffle, you know, <laughs> in the years leading up to the restaurant and even in the first few years of the restaurant, you know, the amount of sacrifice and work and struggle and stress and uh, rejection and everything else that I have experienced um, is truly extraordinary. We need a whole nother episode to kind of like unpack that. We'll come back. Uh, you can be my therapist, we'll I guess. Back. No um, problem. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, and, you know, here we are now, you know, uh, nearly nine years later, you and I are ha able to have this conversation in one of five restaurants. And I haven't had to get up and do anything, I guess, or like look at my phone or, yeah. or any of those things. And so I, I feel, and this is very much, you know, a, a shout out to them. I, I am incredibly fortunate um, to have uh, an extraordinary team of people behind, uh, behind Suvla and behind Can you me. give me one shout out? Give me one person. I, I love, I love the question because it's impossible. When somebody leads an organization, yeah, it's hard to pick one person. But it's going to be an entrepreneur, at least uh, somebody that's gone above and beyond. Totally, I, I'll, I will. I will shout out. I will shout out two people: um, uh, Ross Wunderlich and Juliana Fernandez, um, who are our two senior operations managers. Ross, sort of more on the on the culinary side; Juliana on the 
onto the dining room to the guest facing side. Uh, both of these people have been with the organization for seven years, in Juliana's case, uh, eight years. Wow. Juliana started with me as a counter server. Um, so in the original restaurant, shortly after we opened, um, he and so and is now, you know, leads all of our operations. Both of them, Ross started as a as a kitchen manager in our second restaurant. Um, so they are the ones that are um, mentoring and empowering our teams and developing and have developed now generations of of uh, Suvla managers and supervisors. Um, and they are they are very much you know the the unsung heroes and it's and it's really just you know a testament to and quite frankly both of them run our restaurants better than I ever could. Um, so it's like you also kind of have to have the, the, the wherewithal to be like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of like my job right now is really not only is it of course like on the on the sort of you know development strategy side but day to day tactically operationally yep. my job is to get out of everyone's way yes. right because because I have a team of absolutely extraordinary talented people and and all of our and now and we have you know a full-time controller she leads all of our financial stuff we have a full-time head of hr they lead all of our sort of people off stuff and 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 the and the operations team has, has sort of grown from there but my job is to just kind of like set the tone and set the direction and yeah. let them go because quite frankly they're better than i am yeah you know and they are to our conversation about being specialists they have you know grown and evolved and become specialists in these in these fields well i i I appreciate you sharing that. I hope that this show inspires other owners to build their team so that eventually one day on a Wednesday afternoon, they can do a cool interview for Entrepreneur. You know, thank you to Toast for believing in this project. Like I said, I... Thank you, to, thank you to Toast for powering our restaurants. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, for powering our restaurants. But like for me, as a barbecue restaurant owner, if I didn't have a team down there, if I didn't have this crew here out here in San Francisco, Rising Tides Creative, Stover, who produces the show, and you know, most importantly, the audience. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for believing in it. We want to do cool, more in-person interviews, not just uh, digital interviews. So we want to go all over the world and find the other Charleses that are that are <laughs> reshaping communities and doing really cool stuff. Charles, I can't wait to see what you continue to build, and we're here to support you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for listening to Restaurant Influencers. The best way that you can help us with the show is to subscribe and write a review. We love the opportunity to connect with you no matter where you are on the globe, no matter what restaurant you are running. Please send us a DM on social at Sean P. Walchef. If you are interested in toast, if you want to improve your digital hospitality, please send me a DM. I will get you in touch with a local toast representative. We appreciate you listening to this show. The best way that you can help this show is share it with a friend and we will catch you all next week or we will see you on one of the digital playgrounds that we call social media.